Welcome to The Stack, a weekly podcast where we discuss the latest in the world of marketing, sales, and tech so that you can cut through all the noise, know which developments you should be paying attention to, and become a better marketer. Today is Thursday, October 18th, and we're coming to you from Pepperland Marketing in Cheshire, Connecticut. Episode number 26, guys. Boom. Ooh, that's exciting. I'm Sean Henry. <laughs> that was a weird sound. I'm sorry. I'm Tim Staberski. I'm Ryan Sylvester. Excellent. We going well, guys? <laughs> I'm happy it's almost Friday yeah, because busy, this has been a blur week. of a week. Yeah, yeah. So much to do. So much going yeah. on. But we're doing some cool stuff, right? Totes. Oh, all of it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Totes. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of things going down. Um, so a lot of good stuff to talk about this week. Just like Adobe Premiere Rush. Whoa. Which I'm really excited about. Actually. Before, before we dive in though, Ryan, I just want to acknowledge my, my brother's commentary. So he sent me a, a message after last week's episode. May I ask, which brother? Justin. I have two brothers for those who don't know me. Typical Justin. Um, and they commented that the the bass in our voices was just too much for them to handle. Really? We got to turn down the bass? Don't know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But yes, that was their request to turn down the bass. Well, no. <laughs> did they did they ask us to let the bass drop? <laughs> Good one, Tim. I don't know. Anyway, okay, right. so Ryan. Moving sorry. right along past so, that. So Adobe, <laughs> eh? What is Adobe? So announced? Adobe from your rush just like released this really cool video editing production software that makes it really easy for people to produce these videos across like social media and stuff. So um, their little snippet says, go from shoot to showtime in record time. Their built-in camera functionality helps you take pro-quality video on your mobile devices. So if you go, um, the link will be in the show notes. So if you go to that link, there's a really cool video of this uh, this woman doing a bunch of like cool action sports, and she's recording with her phone, and then she's recording it with her GoPro, and then she's going home and um, editing it on her laptop. So it's kind of like all syncing together, um, and they make the editing really easy for your average person or marketing team. Mm-hmm. Um, produce good-looking, quality, well-edited videos. Yeah, I think it's it, it was only a matter of time, but also feels like Adobe's a little behind the curve. Like, I'm, I'm honestly surprised it took them so long to yeah. release something well, like this. So they've, they've had uh, Adobe Spark for a while now, yeah. which is another um, video editing app as well as an image editing app. I think they actually split that out into two separate apps recently um, that does allow you to create kind of social media-friendly videos on the fly. Um, separately, they've had Adobe Premiere, which is widely used by, you know, video production folks, you know, people in the video world, um, and is a really fantastic solution, but it's pretty complex. It's not for the- It used uh, to be a whiz. Yeah. It's not for like, the small, yeah. it's not for the small marketing team person. Like it's, it's, it's for a video pro. Yeah, for sure. So if you're, you know, just normal content marketer, um, diving into learning Premiere may be a bit challenging. And what I like about this is it really kind of simplifies it, but it still gives you a little bit more flexibility in the the types of video you could create than some of the other apps out there might, like Animoto, which we love. Um, but, you know, I use Animoto quite a bit, and sometimes I get a little frustrated that I don't have the full range of uh, styling options that I would like. This feels like there's just a little bit more flexibility. Like a happy kinda, medium. Yeah. I read a rumor that this is actually Adobe trying to rebuild Premiere from the ground up. And by releasing it as Ooh, a, a separate yeah. app, they're kind of gradually. I could see that. I could see that. Yeah. So and it should get better with time. What's that called? Not lean innovation. Where like minimal viable 
Oh, product. sure. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of release. A so bit. we were kind of talking about this on our way over to the coffee shop today. And you had said that, oh, it's not available. Like it, you'd have to buy it extra. And I just well, checked. It's Adobe Spark. Yeah. But I just, I just checked and like we have all apps and we can download it. Oh yeah. 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 So to, to get access to this, you have to be a, um, you have to subscribe to the, the creative cloud. So if or, you, yeah. if yep. you are a creative crowd, like, you know, you're subscribing for Photoshop or right. Illustrator, you'll have access to this. Their other app though, Adobe Spark. There's a free version that I don't think you need to be have a. You don't have to have a Creative Cloud to to yeah. access the free version. But for that, they have a separate subscription that allows right. you to get into more right. advanced tools. And if you're buying it standalone, it's ten bucks a month. Yeah. So a really cool uh, and easy tool for people that don't, you know, want to spend their time learning Premiere. Yeah, cool. and it, hopefully it encourages more people to take advantage of video. It doesn't need to be this right. big scary thing. Right. So yeah, that is pretty cool. Yeah, Tim. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> um, They've been pushing me to do. Yeah, Tim's afraid of the camera. It's. I, I just. I haven't had the time. But a good. That's my, that's my excuse. A, a bad, that is oh, a. That is a bad excuse. Yeah. I know, but it's the truth. Don't be like Tim. <laughs> Don't be like Tim. So another thing that caught my eye was this article by Rand Fishkin, it which was, I'm supposed to talk about. <sighs> too bad. <laughs> uh, 2018 search market share myths versus realities of Google, Bing, Amazon, Facebook. DuckDuckGo and more. And he published this on the Spark Toro blog, yeah. right? Yep. Excellent. Cool. So he uh, he come he he starts off by saying, for many years there have been um, pervasive myths about where Americans search on the web, whether search is dying, whether Amazon or Facebook or Bing is taking Google's market share and plenty more. So it kind of it dives into the the three main myths. I have some takeaways. Let's hear them. Tim does as well. Go ahead, Tim. <laughs> I'll let I'll let you go. I don't know. Just the one like really in, really interesting article. Um, I feel like the the myths are kind of hinging on um hinging hinged on semantics a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um. So I yeah, that's it. It's interesting data. I mean, for yeah. me, it's it's just mind blowing how much Google owns the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, I know this is debatable, but I would say rightfully so. I mean, their their solutions are just infinitely better than their competitors. Absolutely. And at this point, it will be pretty hard for that to change, but who knows? Um, but mind-blowing how much search activity actually happens on Google. The really interesting thing for me was um, I hear a lot of people wondering about things like Alexa or, you know, searches on Amazon or searches on Facebook and yeah, they've maybe had some gains, but it's still such a tiny, tiny sliver of the the total amount that it's negligible. So, you know, if you're spending 50% of your time, money, and effort on trying to improve your ranking visibility for, I don't know, any one of those non-Google <laughs> products, you, you know, you really need to think about shifting things up a little bit. Um, on the other hand, because that's such a negligible part, there may be much might be much easier to compete because not everybody's going after it. So who knows? But um yeah, interesting to see how small of a percentage some of these newer uh search opportunities actually have. Um I'm trying to see go to the, the chart and see who's actually it, there. It kind of puts numbers. everything into perspective though. Like and how long Google has owned that space. Yeah. But and, and like nothing's really changed Google's gained ground they haven't they haven't lost any <laughs> well yeah. i mean and, yeah. and what's i mean we'll, we'll get into numbers in a second but what's what i think that speaks to is the fact that google's constantly making changes they're making th they're constantly um 
making assumptions and doing tests about what their users want and they're putting those in place and it's, you know, it's, it's paying off. Yeah. Yeah. This, this is an interesting section. So Rand says most of the change in landscape between 2015 to 2018 happened because of Google itself. The search giant wrapped more map searches into its google.com web search interface, put YouTube videos more front and center in the web search results and increase the percentage of queries that showed Google images in the web SERPs too. These changes show clearly in the graph as Google standard web search gains prominence. I mean, that, that's something we've definitely observed. Mm-hmm. Every time we're doing keyword research or just analyzing the search results, uh. we're seeing more and more video, more images, more kind of, they're, they're making that the central destination to find information. Yeah. Which is kind of neat. So, yeah. Neato. Neato. Cool. So don't forget about Google. Am I up next? What else? <laughs> <laughs> you um, are. We're blasting through it this week. Okay, cool. Um, so um, there is a conference. Um, I want to say it was, it's in Vegas. Yeah, it's in Las PubCon. Um, this is a kind of technical SEO conference that happens, I believe, twice a year. Um, Have you ever been? No, and I really want to. And I came very close to actually going this year for the first time. Can someone at... Inbound mentioned it to you, I think. Yeah, we we met up with another uh, agency um, at Inbound, and, mm. and he's speaking at it. So, oh, um, that's right. Oh, yeah. But it, it always generates some SEO news, which is kind of neat, um, and for sure it did again this year. Um, so um, this guy Gary, I don't know how to say his last name, so forgive me if I get this wrong. How would you guys say his last name? I have no idea. So we'll just I call don't. him Gary from Google. <laughs> Wait, let me, offhand, I'd say Isles. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's true. If that's how, the right is that way, a Y or a V? That's a Y. Oh, okay. Well, so he is one of their webmaster trends analysts, and you know he is one of those authorities that really helps you understand what's actually happening behind the scenes at Google. Um, and, uh, you know, when he speaks, you got to listen because it's going to give you some really important information. Um, so I believe this, I wasn't there, but I believe the session was sort of informal kind of question and answer. Um, and the picture in this article on a search engine journal actually shows him sitting down on the stage. So pretty informal. Um, and it's just, uh, in this article, 23 SEO and search takeaways from Google's Gary (laughs) Ilios. Yes. Um, Gary from Google. (laughs) Um, great roundup of the the current state of ranking factors, anything's from site structure, internal linking to canonical tags. So a lot of um, reminders that some of these things do indeed matter and that you shouldn't be neglecting them for one reason or another. Um, but there were some uh, really interesting things towards the end of the article. Um, they did a, a rapid fire session where they just asked some questions. So subdomain versus subfolder, he says, Google doesn't care. And that is a very hotly debated topic in the SEO world. So there's a lot of thinking and a lot of evidence that suggests if you have a blog, let's say hosted at blog.yourdomain.com and you migrate that over to a subdirectory in your site, so yourdomain.com slash blog, that content is likely going to start to perform much better in search results. And the thinking is that Google treats subdomains as pretty much a separate website, a separate entity on your site. And the link signals coming from other websites pointing to your domain, they kind of don't trickle down that direction. So they don't go from right to left, but it does go from left to right. So any content on the subdirectory benefits more from the authority of the main domain than any content that lives on a subdomain. You know, that's a, a 
mouthful. <laughs> um, but you, you see this pretty often where um, a company might launch a, a blog or a new content marketing effort um, sort of as an experiment and they put it on a subdomain and then there's a big debate. Well, that content is ranking. It's doing pretty well. Should we migrate that over to the subdirectory? Would we lose any ground? Would we gain visibility? And um, the pretty much overwhelming evidence seems to suggest that, yes, it would. But here is um, Gary at Google saying, Google don't care. And, Google uh, don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, and others at Google, John, John Muller. Yeah. <laughs> um, has also recently made that statement. And that's triggered some pretty heated debate on uh, Twitter. Um, and the debate will continue to rage on. So just interesting to hear him say that and take that stance that Google doesn't care. Um, I'm kind of in between, personally. I think it's something you need to test and be careful with. But um, the other thing that they uh, mentioned here was hamburger menus. So a lot of websites this always now, makes me laugh. I'm sorry. As more people are searching the web on mobile devices, Google's paying more attention to your mobile experience, and they've recently switched over to mobile-first indexing, which means Google is looking at your website and deciding whether or not they should index your content based off the mobile experience first. Okay. Whereas in the past it would be the desktop experience. Many mobile sites have that hamburger menu where it's a little collapsed menu. You can't actually see the links on the page until you expand it. He's saying those are totally cool. Don't worry about it. I would still be careful. Make sure that there's easily crawlable links on your website. Um, and uh, another really interesting thing, another hotly debated thing is um, under the section fold out content, um, that would be that content that's hidden behind those collapsible. Like accordions. an accordion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he again is saying, Hey, that's totally fine. And they're giving that full weight and rankings. So my question here sure. is, um, you know, cause in the, in the past there, there have been clear signals that that kind of content, you know, the menus and whatnot mm -hmm. has been, you know, penalized. Mm -hmm. Um, so maybe it's just a matter of the, the algorithm getting better. I think that's it. Yeah, I think, you know, they, they've invested in their technology, made it easier to see what's hidden behind the curtain, right? Um, but they also recognize that sometimes that's better for mobile users. So why should they penalize, penalize a website for doing that? So I kind of believe them that that's their intent, that that's where they're going. There, there has been some recent testing by others that has shown otherwise. But, you know, by them repeating this now multiple times, I think we have to believe it and say if it's not 100% true now, it probably will it be. It will be, months. Yeah. So totally fine. Separately, not in this article, and I, I read this on Twitter, um, I guess he said that they do value information that's hidden behind accordions higher up on the page more so than stuff that might be lower on the page. So maybe it's cool that you're hiding that content behind these collapsible accordions, but if something's really important and you want that to influence how your content is ranking, it may be in your best interest to raise that up on the page a little bit, which is just good for users anyway. It's important. You yeah. want people to quickly set above the fold concept, right? If, so. if I went, if I landed on a page because I wanted to know a specific piece of information, don't hide that information from me. I'm going to get mad. Yeah. Yeah. How would you guys find out if that information is important? A little pop quiz. Well, Bouncer. one, one, oh, okay. you could speak yeah. to some real customers 
Ooh. Oh, you say? Oh, okay. Before you're talking about like. Well, so well, there's know, a couple of ways you can looking, find out. You're looking at this and you say, "Well, how do I know what information on my page is the most well, important?" You could oh. you could talk to, to my my users, my customers. Um, you could use a tool like Hotjar. Bingo! There you go. Good job. Good job, Tim. You could also look at things like Bounce Rate. Right? Yes, yeah, so a Bounce Rate could be analytics. a good indicator that you're not laying out your information in an optimal way, right? Or you, you could, don't have to humor me, guys. <laughs> or you <laughs> no, could no, it's, it's speak a good, to good thought. real customers and see what. May have frustrated them when they were on your website. One hundred percent. I think all of the above. So yeah. So I got it. Do I do I get a cookie? I think so. I don't cool. have any, but I don't like you're welcome to one. Whatever. Do you guys like the um? What is it that macadamia nut cookies? Oh, the Pepperidge Farm ones. Yeah. Yeah, chocolate yeah. macadamia nut for the win. No, I hated them when I was a kid. Yeah. That Tim is coming out. They're actually they're pretty <laughs> good. They're pretty good. Uh, um. Anything else? Uh, yeah. So, and we'll go through this quick. Um, so just something that caught my my eye in the last week was this article over on Neiman Lab that was written by um, L- Laura Hazard Owen called, uh, titled, Did Facebook's Faulty Data Push News Publishers to Make Terrible Decisions on Video? And it seems to be that the answer is yes, but publishers have definitely have their own share in the blame. Um, just, you know, quickly summarizing what this is talking about is uh, a few years ago um, during their annual conference, Facebook made a a big push about the fact that video was going to take over text, um, you know, based off of what they were seeing on how uh, people interacted with the the social media platform with, with Facebook. Um, They were more or less predicting the death of text and, encouraging publishers to double, triple, quadruple down on publishing video content. Um, What's kind of coming out now is that, you know, these metrics that they were sharing um, to those publishers weren't exactly accurate or they, they, they weren't exactly truthful. Um, There's questions over whether or not it was purposefully withheld, um, but they were inflated in some cases by 60 to 80%. So ultimately, faulty data led to publishers completely revamping their um, publishing strategies um, and really changed the way that a lot of news sites, a lot of magazines, uh, but predominantly news sites uh, produce information or content for their viewers. And, you know, this article is more or less saying that Facebook's at fault here, but where I'm and I think Sean agrees with me here. Um, my my take is publishers definitely share some blame because why why would you just listen to Facebook blindly? <laughs> yeah. That video is for sure one hundred percent what you should be doing. Um, I think they should have relied on their own data, their own experience. <laughs> they should have talked to their own customers. It's not like there's no no data out. I mean, it's not like there's nothing out there. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're a public, if you're a major public, let's say CNN, if you're a major publisher like CNN, you've been around the block uh, a time or two. You have a website. You you're tracking what your your audience is doing on your website. You're gonna know. Yeah. You know how how does someone interact on your website with video versus versus text? Um. You know, it's not on Facebook to to inform your editorial strategy. You should you should use some of their insights, but you don't just rely on them. I mean, I'll admit that I only scanned through the article, but there was one section, the, the section that they, oh, maybe they shouldn't have laid off all those people. I really hope that they're kind of over, <laughs> you know, playing what actually happened there. Because uh, 
people did make those decisions based off what Mark Zuckerberg said, you know, some TV interview instead of actually crunching the numbers themselves. I'm just, it just makes me sad. <laughs> um, but Tim, um, I know you're anti-video and all. I'm not anti-video. Um, <laughs> you're anti I'm yourself just, on a video. I'm anti people seeing my face on video. So have, I, have you I seen do, it? Have you seen it lately? <laughs> so I'm a big believer in video. I think you are smart if you are strategically planning to invest in video. Validate that with your own data yeah. and research, but I'm, it's a good move. Yeah, video for sure has a role to play in your content marketing strategy. Yeah. It's just, it's not a matter of, the, what's important is just, it's not a matter of video or. Right. It's video and. Yes, yeah. And tech companies tend to be a little dramatic sometimes. All right. Um, for our lightning round. Yeah, you got something for lightning. I round? have one. I I have one one bolt one bolt for our lightning round. <laughs> um, How about it? And that's just something I saw over the weekend, which was and it sounds a lot more dramatic than it really is. Um, it's uh, Duck Duck Go traffic up fifty percent from last year. Hits new record of thirty million daily searches. Wow. Which sounds wow. huge, but it's important to keep in mind that that still accounts for less than point. I believe 0.01% of all daily searches. How many people live in New York City? A lot. More or less than DuckDuckGo? Uh, anyway. I don't know. Okay. Anyway, um, I've got one. Google My Business Insights adds branded search reporting. Yep. I've seen that. That's neat. Does that pop up on my screen? You think anybody will, uh, is that going to help anybody? Ego boost, maybe. Hey, everybody's looking yeah. for my business name. That's great. I think good. Uh, to clarify, New York City has 8.6 million residents, and DuckDuckGo actually has about three times that many wow. daily searches. So three New York Cities stacked on top of each other. Every day. Searching DuckDuckGo every day. All right, all right. Well, you say every day. Okay. Yeah. That is actually kind it's of impressive. It, it's it. impressive, but it's, it, again, just a drop in the bucket. Right. That's about it. Nothing really all exciting yeah. this week. Eh? Uh, I, one thing I will point out, I don't know the headline, but we'll dig it up and put it in the, the notes. We complained about um, Facebook's new video app, uh, video hardware, uh, two weeks ago or three weeks the ago. Premiere. Yeah. Premieres. Facebook, is that what it's called? Facebook no, Premiere. No, that's their video feature. What's the new uh, video conversation? Oh, the portal? Portal, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, so. Portal sucks. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, you know, it's, just, it's pretty cool from a, like a technology standpoint. Um, I think it is. It allows you to have more FaceTime style conversations in the home. Um, but of course, Facebook's been, Receiving quite a bit of scrutiny lately because of privacy concerns, blah, 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 blah. So they had initially told um, at least this one uh, journalist that they would not be using the conversations that you're having with it for advertising purposes. Was that a lie? Yeah. Or it was something that they may be, um, you know, they're claiming that they kind of misrepresented, but they've uh, since reached out to say, yeah, we are actually going to use that information to inform advertising. Ooh. But I don't How know much if you guys realize you have to this. Make? Like, I feel like this is one of those things that should be obvious to people, but it might not be. Um, uh, Tim, you use Facebook Messenger a lot, don't you? I do. And Facebook Messenger definitely um, contributes to their advertising. Like yes. what you send to your friends, you yep. know, the conversations you have will inform the ads you see on Facebook and possibly across the, the net. Yep. So keep that in mind. I don't like it. All right. Well, if you thought this was helpful, let us know. I want to hear your thoughts and feedback. So email us, tweet us. Snap. Ryan and Tim, is that how you say it? 
You can snap at tender cropas. <laughs> and I will I for take sure issue, I take I, issue with Tim's. And I will for sure respond handles. with some weird filter yeah, over my yeah. face. Yeah, let us know. We want to hear from you. Um, and uh, please leave us a review on uh, iTunes or wherever you're listening and um, tune in next week. Leave us a review on like the back of a park bench. Please do. Oh, God. <laughs> See you guys. Bye.